0: Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you do not know, you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. "'You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, "'though I do not have standing the standing of one of your servants.' "'At mealtime Boaz said to her, "'Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar.' "'When she sat down with the harvesters, "'he offered her some roasted grain. "'She ate all she wanted and had some left over. "'As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men.' Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also bought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. "'Her mother-in-law asked her, "'Where did you glean today? "'Where did you work? "'Blessed be the man who took notice of you.' "'Then Ruth told her mother-in-law "'about the one at whose place she had been working. "'The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz,' she said. "'The Lord bless him,' Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. "'He has not stopped showing his kindness "'to the living and the dead.' "'She added, "'That man is our close relative. "'He is one of our guardian redeemers.' Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to clean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law.
1: When it comes to movies in our household, we always have to choose them very carefully. I'm not sure if this happens in other households, I'm guessing it probably does. There are some members of our household who don't handle the thriller suspense movies terribly well. You know how those movies go, that you're left guessing as to what's happening and who's that person and why have they come here and there's crucial pieces of information that you're not given until the right point in the movie and then it all starts to fall into place. Well, some of the members of our our household don't cope terribly well with those sorts of movies and spend the entire time asking questions like, well, who's that? And and what what did he do that for? And why has he left that there? And the answer normally has to be, I have no idea, but I'm sure if we keep watching, we will find out. These people seem to want all the details up front. They don't want any hidden information. They don't like surprises. Well, those members of our household would be very pleased with the writer of the book of Ruth because he does this very strange thing right at the beginning of chapter 2. He gives us, the readers, crucial details, important information to understand what's about to happen in the story. In a sense, he takes all of the suspense out of it. Well, he takes the suspense out of it for us, but not for Ruth and Naomi. Now, before we start, we just need to do a quick recap of what happened last Sunday in Ruth chapter 1. Uh, The book of Ruth is set at the time of the judges. It says that right in the opening verse of the book. And this is one of the darkest times in the whole of Israel's history. It was a terrible, terrible time for the people of Israel. And we're told that Elimelech and his family, his wife Naomi and their two sons, have left Bethlehem because there is a famine in Bethlehem. And they move... Uh, not too far away, uh, just across the water, to the land of Moab. Geographically, small move, but a very big move in another way. They have left the land that God is giving to his people and gone to live in a land of the people who were the enemies of Israel. Anyway, no sooner do they arrive in Moab and it seems that Elimelech dies. Uh, the family decide to stay, both of the sons marry Moabite women, 10 years passes and both of the sons die and both of the sons have died without having any children of their own. Naomi is left in a foreign country with two Moabite daughters-in-law but she hears that the famine has come to an end in Israel and she decides that it's time to head home. She encourages the daughter-in-laws to stay where they are. You'll have a much better chance of finding a husband here than you would back in Israel with me, so stay here. But Ruth insists on going with Naomi. Naomi comes home and she announces to the women in Bethlehem, don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara, which means bitter, because she says God's hand is against her. She feels that she has come home empty. And the chapter finishes with these two widows facing an uncertain future. But a tiny note of hope, if you've got your Bible, you'll see it there, at the end of chapter 1, verse 22, Naomi returned to Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And then the next scene unfolds for us, and here's this crucial piece of information, right at the beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. First thing that we're told is that he is a close relative, crucial information in the story. Back in those days, probably pretty much the same as it is today, it's family who look after family. They're the ones who you can expect help from and support from. When times are hard, Naomi uh, is, is hoping that some member of a Elimelech's family will be able to step in. They actually have a technical term for it. God had put it into the law for his people. And they're a guardian redeemer is the name or kinsman redeemer sometimes they're called. I suppose we just call them next of kin. So if a man dies, then it'll be his close family who will be expected to step in and support those who continue to live. I've seen this happen a couple of times. I've known of a man uh, when we lived up on the north coast uh, whose auntie um, was left without anyone to help her. So he moved to the area in order to be able to look after his auntie. Uh, it was a, a great personal cost to him that he stepped in to look after his auntie at that time. This man was taking responsibility to care for her because there was no one else to care for her. Now, not only is Boaz a close relative, he's a relative who's wealthy. He's described as being a man of standing. He's next of kin, but he's also in a financial position to be able to help. Now, this country's just been through a 10-year famine. You can imagine that your next of kin are going to be just about as poor and helpless as you are. But Boaz is a wealthy man of standing in the community. Now, again, we the readers know this information about the family connection and who Boaz is, but Naomi and Ruth don't. When you read through the pages of the Old Testament, uh, there's no doubt that God is concerned for the outcast and the disadvantaged in society. It's one of those really remarkable things when you read through a book like Deuteronomy, a book written thousands of years ago, and this is what God says to his people. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheath, that's, so that's a big bundle of, of, uh, of wheat, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, for the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. The temptation will be to go back and get it. There's money standing in the field there. But what God says is, leave that one. There will be foreigners, there will be widows, there will be people who are without who can benefit from that. So leave it where it is. gives you an insight into God's character, doesn't it? And it gives you an insight into how it is that we should live as people who know God. That if we have been blessed, then we should be spreading it around, sharing it with those people who need it more than we do. God's concerned for the alien, for the widow. He's concerned for the outcast, the people who might simply just be overlooked by society. And that's what we have in this story. Two women who otherwise would have been overlooked the society of the day, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi the widow, Ruth the alien and the scene begins with Naomi and Ruth having a conversation, verse number two, and Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Now, can I say, I think this in the story, this must be the point where Naomi has really hit rock bottom, where where she recognises that, that the situation could not be any worse. Her husband has died, her son has died, and ultimately she's had to face the indignity of coming back to Bethlehem with nothing from her trip to Moab except her Moabite daughter-in-law who she's now sending out to pick up the leftover grain in the field. Uh, By giving her permission to do that, I think Naomi is admitting that this is it. This is as bad as it can possibly get for me. But I love what it says there in verse number 3. So she went out, so Ruth went out, and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. I love that, as it turned out. I think the writer's a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. This is no coincidence. This is not by chance that she's happened to end up in this field. This is not some stroke of good luck on her part. This is God's hand, God ordering the events. There was no deliberate decision on Ruth's part to go and work in that particular field, but there was a deliberate decision on God's part to put her there. And that's exactly what Naomi acknowledges at the end of the chapter. She sees God's hand in all of this. Jump right down to verse 20. The Lord bless him, that is talking about Boaz, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he, that is the Lord, has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. This is a big turnaround for Naomi here, isn't it? I mean, she ended the last chapter by saying, God's hand is nothing but against me. And now she's saying... He hasn't stopped showing kindness to us. And what we see in the story of Boaz here is really quite amazing kindness. Now the law in Deuteronomy allowed for people to go behind and and pick up what the harvesters had left behind, the the little stalks that might be lying on the ground or or a sheaf maybe even if you've left that behind. But Boaz goes way beyond what the law required. Have a look at it, verse number 8. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter-in-law, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here, stay here with the women who work for me, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you're thirsty, get water to drink from the water jars that the men have filled. He offers her protection, he offers her as much food as she can eat for lunch enough to be able to take home for Naomi at the end of the day. And then there's one more act of kindness from Boaz. Jump down to verse 15. She got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to the men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her, even pull some stalks out for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So why all of this kindness? Well, Go back to verse 11. This is what Boaz tells her. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. There's a huge irony in this statement from Boaz. He prays that God will bless her for all that she's done for Naomi. But the fact is God is blessing her and he's doing it through Boaz. Boaz sends Ruth home at the end of the day with about 10 kilo of grain as well as what she had left over from her lunch. And she's been guaranteed a place to be able to pick up grain right through the harvest time. Naomi's pretty stunned when Ruth comes home. She's obviously hoping for something, but I bet she wasn't expecting 10 kilo of grain to be coming through the door with Ruth. Naomi asks the obvious question, which is the one that we already know the answer to. Verse 19, where did you glean today? Where where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. And now it all makes sense to them as well as to us. Again, this is not some stroke of luck or some strange coincidence that Naomi's managed to stumble upon. Look at it again, verse number 20. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. As I said last week, kindness is the word that undergirds the whole of this book. On every page, we see the kindness of each of the characters, the kindness of Ruth to Naomi, the kindness of Boaz to Ruth. But above all, it's about the kindness of God to all of the people in this story. And what we see is God's kindness reflected in the lives of all of these people. This is what Deuteronomy goes on to say about leaving stuff behind uh, when you're harvesting. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless and the widow. And why? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That's why I command you to do this. Do you see what God's saying there? God's saying, I've shown extraordinary kindness to you and it's now time for you to show it to others. And how much more true is that for us? We didn't get rescued from slavery in Egypt. We've been rescued from sin and death. And we should be able to express that kindness, the kindness that God has shown to us, we should be able to express that to others. The way that we treat others should be shaped by the way that God has treated us. that's the way that God has loved us in Jesus. Now the opportunities for us to be able to express that kindness to others are pretty much immeasurable, aren't they? Especially when it comes to those who are in need. There's been quite a few ways that our church in the past, uh, through our tier fund collection at Christmas time, uh, we've encouraged people to support the, the Operation Christmas Child, we've also been involved with Compassion, debt. All great organisations with a great solid Christian base where we're helping those throughout the world and enabling them to hear the good news about Jesus. But there's countless other ways for us to show kindness to those around us who are in need. We're not living in a suburb of great need here in Balmain, but it's still all around us. There are people who need help, need support, need assistance. Maybe just need an ear to listen. So who are the people who might get overlooked by our society, who might not be noticed as being in need? I mean, it might be as simple as just a friendly chat over the fence or getting to know the neighbour in that unit next door who seems to be very quiet and no one ever seems to visit. Might be giving them a hand with something that they need done around the house. There are countless ways that we can actually serve our community, that we can show the kindness that God has shown to us, to the society around us here in Balmain. But this chapter of Ruth is also a great reminder that there is a God who rules over all of the affairs in this world. We need to be convinced that this is God's world And he is the one who orders the events. One of the interesting things with the book of Ruth, and there aren't too many books in the Bible that are like this, there are no miraculous events that take place in the book of Ruth. There are no angels appearing to anyone to guide them. God doesn't speak audibly to anyone in this book. There are no prophets who come along with a message from God. No one performs any miracles or any signs. The book of Ruth is just about the very, very ordinariness of life. Yet it's completely clear that God is the one who stands behind all of those ordinary lives. That God is at work in the ordinariness of life. We don't need to look for the miraculous things, we don't need to seek to hear God's voice. We just need to know that God has been extraordinarily kind to us and we should be reflecting that kindness to those around us. The book of Ruth encourages us to act in a wise and godly way and know that it is God who is at work to achieve his ends. We may not be able to see what it is that God is doing but in the end, you know what, we don't need to know We just need to be sure that God knows, convinced that he is aware of what it is that he's doing in this world. And then we need to live like God's people, even in those simple and ordinary tasks in life.